is. I can't use that black table. My, I hit 40 and I can't see that far away. <laughs> Morning Hillcrest. Uh, my name is Brian Stefan. I'm one of the elders here and it's my privilege to um, uh, be able to go over God's word today. Uh, it's great that we're blessed at Hillcrest to have a variety of speaking voices uh, uh, to proclaim God's word. Um, and I just love the Christmas season. Um, forward and one of the other things that's nice about being up here I forgot to mention is I get to make fun of David the whole time and give him a hard time about it so my favorite part of Christmas and what's your favorite part is it the music the cookies the presents the lights the decorations is it all of it you know I know David's favorite part of Christmas is uh, not having to do yard work uh, of course, I think you do the same amount of mowing in the wintertime that you do in the summertime. Uh, if anyone's been to his house, it's kind of a jungle out there. <clears throat> if I give my fun of him, maybe I won't have to keep doing this up front. <laughs> so anyways, if you ask my kids, their favorite part of Christmas is probably the presents, right? There's this wonder of what's behind the wrapping paper. You know, they get this present and they, they shake it and You know, if it's Legos, I tell them every time they broke the present. You know, they squeeze it, they smell it, but there's this wonder of what could it be. Now, if you grew up in my house growing up, my mom had this habit of the months before Christmas getting as many boxes as she could because my parents were against wrapping something in its usual form if it was at all in a weird shape. So if it already didn't have a box. So you had this sort of extra surprise at Christmas time with my family You'd open this box up, take the wrapping paper off, and, oh, mac and cheese, is this what it is? Oh, no, okay, tube socks, thanks, Mom. So there's always this extra surprise. So, but there's this wonder of unveiling, right? This unveiling, which we see with the baby dedication, a, a name. Hello, my name is. Right, I think one of the hardest... First, hardest jobs of parents is coming up with a name, right? Will this name stand the test of time? Is it too trendy? How will they be made fun of for this name? How will this name define them? In early biblical times, the way they came up with names was based on special events, things that were happening around the time of conception or delivery, right? If you look at Isaac... He who laughs. Jacob grabbing his brother's heel, Esau. I'm glad we don't do that anymore, because if you ask my parents, I don't know what I would be called. Painful? Preterm? Probably oops. (laughs) My mom's not here today, fortunately. (laughs) And we read about how Jesus got his name in Matthew. Right? There's something about a name. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which she is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for what Christmas really means. It's not the lights, it's not the decorations, it is your Son, Jesus, saving us from our sins. And I pray that you will be the focus of this holiday season. And please just bless your word as we spend time going through what your name truly means. Thank you and praise you. Amen. As we learned last week, Jesus, it's not just that name. He was also in Isaiah, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus, Prince of Peace. That sounds so good. We've heard that hundreds of times in church, in Christmas carols, but have you ever stopped to think about what does that really mean? You see, the world is full of conflict. We turn on the news, we see assassinations, kidnapping in Haiti, conflict in the Middle East. <laughs> we even look in our own borders. We see warring between the governmental parties, vaccinated versus unvaccinated. <laughs> if I look at my own home, I fight and argue with my spouse. The conflict between my kids, fighting with their siblings. Right? Stop fighting. Do your homework. Clean your room. Oh. Prince of Peace. Peace. We, I, could use some of that. I'm in need of peace. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So how does Jesus provide peace in our lives? If we look at creation, shortly after creation, Adam and Eve sinned. And we inherited this sin nature. As we read about in Romans, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spreads to all men, because all have sinned. You and I, we've all have sinned. This rebellious nature found in every person makes us an enemy of God. Due to sin, we want to be self-centered, do it our way, do it without God. We are the antithesis of holiness. Here is a perfect, loving, holy God. And we are the furthest thing from him. We are his enemy. And that sin has caused his separation. And no amount of good works will save us. This is so important, right? Because so many people get this theology wrong. No amount of good works will save us. It's not that God weighs our good works and our bad, and if our good outweighs the bad, then we get to spend eternity with him. No. Sin has caused us, and has earned us eternity away from him. It's made us enemies of God. But the Prince of Peace brings us peace with God. Romans says, 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. We were enemies of God. While we were enemies, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship with God the Father. Jesus Christ paid our penalty on that cross and provided a way for us to have a relationship with God the Father. Romans goes on to say, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. And what I find so amazing, if you stop and think about it, even before Christ, God created the world, right, before the first day of, of creation, God knew what was going to happen. Right? God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's outside of time. So as he stood there the day before creation, he knew exactly what would happen. If he created man, he saw the war, the conflict, the violence, the separation from him. And yet, he still created us. And Jesus Christ's death on the cross was not a reaction to our sin. God knew we were going to sin. Jesus Christ was there with God the Father at the beginning, and it was well thought out. And Jesus Christ's death was not reactionary, but proactive for our salvation. God orchestrated that before the first day of creation. Through Jesus Christ, we are restored with God and have spiritual harmony. The Prince of Peace brings us peace with God. And the Prince of Peace also produces a peace in us. See, Jesus Christ's sacrifice goes well beyond salvation and just peace with God. It allows us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the helper who promises to guide us. Jesus speaking to his disciples states in John, Nevertheless, I, this is Jesus speaking here, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Imagine hearing this as a disciple. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When Jesus came to earth, he gave us the greatest gifts of all. Not just the gift of salvation, but the gift of the Holy Spirit, the helper. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. See, Christ's physical presence on earth, he was 100% human and 100% God. But he was limited to his bodily form. He could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit lives within us, every one of us, and is present all the time. And the fruits of the Holy Spirit include a peace that goes well beyond salvation. God's peace transcends earthly matters. And through the Holy Spirit, we are anxious for nothing. In Philippians, we read, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, dependent, despondent prayer, 
Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is an amazing gift. A gift of peace within ourselves. Right? Who among us has not had this anxiety of the world creep in? And I'll admit, I was a hypocrite this week when it came to this. Right? I'm preparing a sermon on peace. Pastor Fred comes up to me on Tuesday and asks how it's going, and the anxiety was welling up. Like, boy, I'm so behind. I am not a procrastinator, but life happened, and I am way behind where I want to be. that peace of God. Now, this is not something we generate within ourselves. This is not some sort of self-help, pick-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps kind of peace. This is a God-given peace. The same Holy Spirit that came upon the Virgin Mary, and the same Holy Spirit whose glory is shown around the shepherds, is the same Holy Spirit living in us as believers. This is how we get the peace in the Holy Spirit. How do we do that when life is so hard and distracting? You see, we have a choice to make when things get hard. We can turn our focus on our problems, on the trials and tribulations, be anxious, anxiety-provoked, or we can turn to God. Trusting in God is a choice. When we focus on Him and lean on Him, we are filled with that joy and peace. We continue to read in Philippians. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. The Holy Spirit's work within us to become more like Christ. The Holy Spirit works in us, but we have a role in this process. Now, I am not an avid golfer. I meddled in the sport when I was in medical school and residency before kids, and then my free time went away. But I loved going out, if nothing else, to be outside. But there was all those one or two shots that you remembered and you made you go back for more. It's a beautiful walk in the woods ruined by this little white golf ball. <laughs> but one day I was golfing with a friend, and we saw this professional. And, right, and I, I am always amazed at these professional golfers. Right? I watch them on TV occasionally, seeing them in person, these people who have these beautiful swings. Right? And my problem was... My friend was like 150 pounds, had this awesome swing, and I'm like, I'm 200 pounds, I can muscle this thing farther than him. Never worked. Right? So, one day we're, we're golfing, and there's this professional golfer in the sand trap right by the clubhouse, just practicing the same shot over and over. Right? We go on a, our, our rounds, we, we're gone, and I butcher the course as usual for a couple hours. I come back, and there's this same professional golfer doing it over and over again. The exact same shot we saw hours before. Now, I see these beautiful golfers um, 
swinging their clubs on TV. And I look at that, and I'm like, why can I have a swing like that, right? But we don't see the hours of practice that goes beyond, okay? Same is true when it comes to peace in my life. I look at mature Christians. I'm like, God, why do they have peace and I don't? Why are the anxieties and troubles of this world choking out that peace? I wish once I became a Christian, it was immediate. I could put the Bible under my pillow and through diffusion, become a better Christian. But this isn't how God designed it. You see, just like that golfer, it takes practice. We have a role in the process. We finish going on. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. You see, I have a choice whether I turn and focus on Jesus and allow him to work in my life. Right? We've been studying James to count it all joy. So when those trials and tribulations come, I get to put my faith in practice. I need to practice turning to Jesus. It provides a peace that passes all understanding. The Prince of Peace produces a peace in us. The Holy Spirit manifests in our lives with peace and joy. They're reflections of his presence in us. And these fruits of the Spirit cannot help but overflow into those around us. And the Prince of Peace empowers us to bring peace to others. Not just now, but if you look back in time, right? As Christianity spread through the first century, the teachings of Jesus changed the world. So much for the better. We're not perfect. We still have a long ways to go and we'll never be perfect this side of eternity. But nothing probably is more earth-shattering than looking at the evidence that Christians place on the value of human life. Early Christians rescued newborn babies from the trash heaps of Rome. Through gladiatorial games, glorification of suicide, human sacrifice, there was practically a global attitude that life was cheap. Early Christians founded the first hospitals, orphanages, and feeding programs. Many universities were founded on Christian principles, along with many governmental institutions focusing on liberty, justice, and equality though not always perfectly practiced. As the Holy Spirit transforms our lives, it overflows into those around us. And I look around this world, my home, Dane County, Oregon, there are opportunities that are endless where this peace will overflow. How can I show other people this peace? Right? Daily we have this opportunity. Every day in my home I have it show my wife and my kids at peace. And just recently at work, right, this has been mulling over my mind the whole of this week. And Friday was a terrible day at work. 
those who don't know, I deal with high-risk pregnancies, and Friday was my turn to read a bunch of ultrasounds. And so many birth defects were found. My sonographers were coming and right after another, and I got further and further behind. And one of my things that grinds my gears the most is when I'm behind. It sends a message to the patients that I don't value their time. And I hate being late for anything. And I was just, I could feel it. And I'm thinking about Philippians. God, I need peace that passes all understanding. Right, I can't do this. At the end of the day, the lead sonographer turns to me and says, wow, you kept your cool. One of the other partners would have been cussing like a sailor by now. Right, it wasn't me. Is the Prince of Peace working in my life through the Holy Spirit. How do we see this in the church? How does the church reflect this? Right, I look around and we're different ages. We come from different backgrounds. I mean, how the heck could I be friends with a Viking fan <laughs> who grew up in California and Hawaii, who doesn't lift weights but plays basketball? It's an ACL tear waiting to happen, right? How could I be friends with him? It's through our unity in Jesus Christ, right? And so when I look at this multi-generational family that we have, and the world, world looks at us, and how can we all get along? So what's written in Ephesians. Therefore I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of a calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Right? The Greek word here, peace, is Irene. It's unity, accord. Though we are so different, we come together through peace and unity. And the world will look at us. Right? We're not some Fortune 500 company that are driven by, by money. We're driven by love, peace, unity. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, brings us peace with God, peace within us, and peace with others. And as we previously talked about, God is omniscient, but he's also omnipresent, which means he's all-powerful. Right? We know this, right? We've heard this. He's all-powerful. That means that God is above all. He is sovereign, and nothing can thwart God's plans. The Prince of Peace is unstoppable. Now, I don't know about you, but boy, I know this, but do I really believe it? Because, right, this makes my head hurt. The purposes of God cannot be thwarted. Right? Sometimes we have this false doctrine that Satan frustrates God. And gets in the way and thwarts his plans. And that's not true. God is unstoppable. Satan doesn't have that power. God is all-powerful. Nothing, nothing can stay God's hands. Isaiah says, this is God speaking, For I am God and there is no other I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times to things yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all 
my purposes. Right? We believe that, right? But then we look at the world around us. We see the war, the conflict, the turmoil, and say, God, are you really in control? God is still in control. Right? And I look at what I consider trials and tribulations of this world in America, how great we have. And I look at what Jeremiah was going through in Lamentations, right? Babylon was coming to siege Jerusalem, burn it to the ground, probably the darkest time in Israel. And this is what he says. He said, my eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. My bile is poured out to the ground. How many of us with the trials and tribulations going through now can resonate with this? Because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, speaking to Jerusalem, because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. Here's Jeremiah crying out. And he looks towards God. He can't help but understand that right God is still sovereign in the midst of all this destruction. God was still in control. God was unstoppable. And how do you rectify this? And he goes on to say in Lamentations further. Who has spoken and it came to pass? Unless the Lord has commanded it. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Wow. This hurts my head. But this gives me reason to rejoice. Right? When things are bad going around me, God's still in control. God is allowing it. He's not causing it. He's allowing it for some bigger purpose than what I can maybe see. Hallelujah, God is in control. Though I may not see the purpose, it's God's design. He is sovereign. He is unstoppable. And he is in control. As we focus on the beginning of this Christmas season, how do we apply what we've learned today? The Prince of Peace, again, gives us peace with God. And how is your relationship today with God the Father? Are you an enemy of God? Are you trying to earn yourself way to salvation by doing good gifts, good things? It's only through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, that we can restore that relationship with God. If you're not in a relationship with God now, if you're not a Christian, I I ask, pray out to God. Make December 2021 the best Christmas ever. If you have questions, we'd love to pray with you after the service, answer any questions you may have. And the Prince of Peace produces a peace in us and in others. As this holiday's approach, as the Christmas song goes, right? This is the most wonderful time of the year. But the truth is the holidays are often the most stressful time of year. In a recent study, 59% of people described their holidays as chaotic. Two out of five respondents said, said that they would rather stand in line at the DMV. One in five said they would rather be on a long plane ride 
with a crying baby behind them. Right? And we joke, but it's true. This morning, my wife and I were just talking about all this stuff going on this holiday season. There's financial pressures, travel, inclement weather, in-laws. I have good in-laws, but... And for many of the holidays, the truth of the matter is, though, it's a time of sadness. Right? Loved ones lost. Broken relationships. You remember how Christmas used to be years ago and it's not that way anymore? It's a hard time. And part of the problem with thinking about the Prince of Peace is we think that peace means easy. See, Jesus never promised easy. He promised help. If we call on him, he will give us a peace that passes all understanding. Practice turning away from the anxieties of this world and turning towards Jesus, the Prince of Peace. As we lean into the fact that the Prince of Peace is unstoppable, and even in the midst of COVID, as fear may well up, God is still in control. And he's at work in people's lives. I'd like to welcome uh, David and Seth up to talk more about this piece. Perfect. Peace with God. Man, I love, I love how Brian said that. What, what do we do as a church? I mean, this is, this is the core of who we are, that we are community seeking after peace with God. Are you looking for more peace this year? Maybe when your phones went off, there was a little anxiety that started building up in you. When my son was standing on the corner of this stage, there might have been a little lack of peace welling up in me. I love the quote from Augustine, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee. And so every Sunday, we gather under this God through his word to hear a sermon, to sing songs, and then to hear stories of what God is doing in the body and how he is bringing peace to our lives. And so we got to hear from Seth earlier. Seth, why don't you share a little bit of your journey of what finding this peace with God looked like and then how it came from someone who was empowered to bring peace to you. It'll be my pleasure. So I'm just going to begin by just reading this so I don't forget anything that I want to say to you all. Then at the end, I'll speak freely. So I believe that everyone is searching for something in life. Love, comfort, joy, happiness, meaning, purpose, and other things like peace are are what we are searching for in life, whether we are actively searching for them. Whether we're actively searching for them or not. When I was in the, my mid to late 20s, I stumbled across the source of all these things, a personal relationship with the creator of all things, Jesus Christ. And when I stumbled, I literally mean I stumbled. <clears throat> I grew up in a middle-class family with both parents and a brother. My early years of life were spent living in Indiana until we moved here in Oregon when I was about fourth grade of school. Our family didn't attend church services on a regular basis. You could count on going to church for Christmas and Easter and other special events, but that was about it. Throughout my high school years, my father would assign my brother and I a portion of the Bible to read 
Then we would discuss it as a family on Sundays. It was during this time I would realize years later that my father was beginning his own transformation of placing Jesus on the throne of his heart and finding peace with God. I knew the basics of Christianity, and I think I truly believed that God was the creator of all things, but that's as far as it went. I hadn't truly experienced the peace of God in my own life. I left home shortly after graduating from high school to begin my journey as an adult. For the next, next six to seven years, I made bad decision after bad decision. I knew the truth about Jesus, but I wanted to be the God of my life as opposed to placing Christ on the throne of my heart. My heart was restless. There, was, there wasn't peace. I engulfed myself in the pleasures of the world, living for myself and no one else. Sometimes I had a place to live. Sometimes I just crashed on people's couches. Sometimes I had a job. Sometimes I didn't. I was drunk or under the influence of some kind of drugs during almost all this, most of this period of time. I eventually got to the point where I had nowhere to live and all my friends had basically had enough of me. I had no job, no place to live, no couch to sleep on, and no place to go, so I began sleeping in my vehicle. There was an utter lack of peace in my life. Living in my vehicle didn't last very long, as it was January and very cold. I finally got to the point where I could no longer sleep in my car because it was just too cold, so I found myself standing in line outside of a homeless shelter in downtown Madison. I looked around at all the other people in line and thought to myself, I'm not like these people. How did I get to this point? When in effect, I was like those people. I didn't go into the shelter that night and decided to spend another night in my car. In the morning, I decided to swallow my pride and I went home to ask my parents for help. They allowed me to live with them until I got things together. During this time at their house, I began to read the Bible and eventually got on my knees and asked Christ for forgiveness and for him to be Lord of my life. I had found peace with God. Much like my earthly father had welcomed me home, I felt like my heavenly father had welcomed me home as well. <clears throat> I felt like my life had a new beginning, and I began to start living my life with a sense of purpose instead of just merely existing as I had been doing prior to my homecoming. There was a sense of peace that I hadn't found before. Since that time, I have continued to experience more of that peace that transcends understanding. I have found peace in knowing that whatever trials that I may be going through, God is always there and he is always in control of every situation. I have found joy and a sense of contentment in knowing whatever position I may find myself in, God has me right where I'm supposed to be at that moment. Things don't just happen by accident. We all have our own coming to Christ journeys, and they happen at different times for different people. The truth of the matter is, Christ is constantly pursuing all of us to have a loving relationship with him. We just have to respond in kind and give him every... <clears throat> we, just have to we just have to respond in kind. I gave him every reason to give up on me, but he didn't. Because, of my my, because my father experienced that peace of God, he became a peacemaker and shared that peace of God with me. Recently, my father published a book about that journey of finding meaning and peace in his life. As I read his book, I can look back and see where he was on his journey while I was in the middle of my own self-induced chaos. My father would periodically send handwritten letters of encouragement to me during this period of my life, and I still have most of them. And he was planting seeds that would eventually take root in my life. So these are some of the letters 
in these envelopes here. I'm going to share a couple of them with you. <clears throat> they all weren't serious in nature. Some of them were just newspaper articles about the Packers being in the playoffs or something like that. But um, he would always manage to send something else with it. Um, this first one I want to read for you uh, was when I was in my absolute darkest point. It just it reads, the absolute distinction is not between believers in God and unbelievers, but between seekers and non-seekers. For all unbelievers who seek will eventually become believers who find. Non-seekers really have no chance. If you seek, you'll find. If you, if you knock, the door opens. Love, Dad. And this next one was shortly after I had accepted Christ and I was going through some struggles. It says, I certainly hope that things are looking up for you today. Oliver Wendell Holmes once stated, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. If you have a heart of God and a desire to please him through your faith in him and works for him, everything will be just fine. Sometimes we wake up feeling worn down, lazy, or sorry for ourselves and just wanting to hide from the world. Just open the newspaper to the obituary page. On that page is a long list of people who would absolutely be delighted to change places with us. Sometimes this perspective helps me focus on my attitude a bit. God has plans of greatness for you, Seth. Even grapes must be crushed to produce a fine wine. Ask for his help during these times, and you will eventually notice his presence again and again. Also, draw on your mother and I if needed. We will glad, be glad to help out wherever possible. Thinking and praying for you often, love your father. So, <clears throat> I can look back. Over the past couple weeks, I've been preparing to speak to you, and I've read through all these letters for the first time since they were given to me, probably 20 to 27 years ago, and it was pretty emotional. Um, I got to look back and see where the Spirit was working through my father to send these letters to me so I would receive them at the exact moment in my life when I needed them the most. The Prince of Peace has done an extraordinary work in my life, and I'm, looking back, I'm ex it's just awesome to see how he orchestrated everything. So we, as a community, gather to experience more of this peace, to hear stories of God's transformative work, and then to actually be empowered to bring peace to those around us. Pray with me. Oh, God, you are so good. Thank you for the work you have done in Seth's life as the Prince of Peace, that you reconcile us, that you've reconciled him to yourself, and that through his dad, uh, being a peacemaker... You were using his dad to draw Seth to yourself. May we all experience a little bit more peace this Advent season. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen.